Blog Talk Radio. ahead an hour. I don't think some of you did, but anyway, (laughs) I have a great show coming up today because someone we all know and love is joining me, but I'll get to that in a moment. Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show, so if bad language, bodily functions, dirty talk of any kind might upset you, this may not be the show for you. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com. Okay, so this morning's guest is somebody we all know and love, and he is usually the person who is talking me off a ledge when it comes to politics. However, today is not about politics. We're talking about a book launch. Everybody say good morning to Talison. <laughs> hey, 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 everybody. How's it going out there in Internet land? Today kicks off <laughs> the beginning of the promo period for my next novel. So, yes. Yay. Oh, how exciting is that? So, tell me all about it. What's the title? <laughs> What's it about? Let's go. <laughs> okay. Well, the book, uh, basically, I am working on an urban fantasy saga right now, a seven-part urban fantasy saga called The Sorceress Saga. And the books one and two, The Sorceress and The Witch, respectively, are out right now on Amazon in both ebook and paperback format. Hardback's coming soon. And on May 22nd, we're going to be publishing the third novel in the series, The Queen. Now, <clears throat> for those of you who may not necessarily be up on all of the latest parlance. Uh, Urban fantasy or contemporary fantasy is uh, one of those popular forms of uh, speculative fiction, Uh, you know, horror, sci-fi, that kind of thing they call speculative fiction, available today. And unlike the fantasy that a lot of us grew up on that had things like orcs and elves and dragons, you know, thinking like Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, that kind of stuff, uh, urban fantasy or contemporary fantasy is set in the real world in the modern day, but just wondering what would it be like if the world was like it was, but vampires were real, or shapeshifters like (laughs) werewolves were real, and that kind of thing. Uh, And some of the more popular pop culture uh, examples of this are TV shows like Supernatural and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or book and movie series like Twilight, or even Harry Potter. Uh, Because, you know, even though it's kind of set in the 90s, it's still modern day enough, it's not medieval England. Uh, And uh, that's, you know, that's what the... that's what the Sorcerer's Saga is, is uh, contemporary fantasy uh, set in the real world in the modern day. Uh, and it centers around a young woman named Annabelle. Uh, she starts off the first book, The Sorceress, uh, not long after the beginning of her senior year in high school. And unlike the normal shrinking violets of your average YA heroines, uh, she's not, you know, oh, woe is me, nobody likes me type of person. Uh, she is somebody who flies under the radar and is very happy to 
because she's smart enough to realize that you know, high school can be a very Lord of the Flies type of atmosphere. And uh, so flying yeah. under the radar, oh, yeah, and flying under the radar of bullies and other people is definitely cool. She's got a couple of really good friends, her uh, computer geek and gamer friend Jack and her uh, biracial lesbian Wiccan friend and your namesake, Raina. Yeah, uh, and these are her best. These are her best friends, and she figures, you know what? Her and Raina are going to go off to college the next year. They both want to get degrees in library science, and once she gets out of high school and she gets to be an adult and has a little bit more control over her life, then she'll get out. She'll meet more people, maybe date more. She's dated a little bit in high school, nothing big, nothing thrilling, but she just figures, you know what? She's going to get good grades, focus on it, go out, and really start her life. Uh, so nobody's more surprised than her when a hot new guy moves to town, Vincent, who is definitely a dreamboat, uh, very cut, long, dark hair, uh, the most incredibly perfect gentleman anybody's ever heard of. He volunteers to walk uh, unaccompanied women home, does not make a pass at them, and when they try to jump his bones, he turns them down. I mean, literally, just one of these too-good-to-be-true guys, and for some reason, he's interested in Annabelle, and she doesn't know why. Uh, and now I've got to tell you, the story has a lot of humor. I am a big fan of people like Kevin Smith, and I grew up on books like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So, of course, you know, Annabelle yep. has – Annabelle, you know, she just figures – you know, she has no idea why this hot, intelligent, incredibly nice person is instantly interested in her for reasons she can't understand why. But when she has a dream about him – it just, you know, she says it's typical for her life because, you know, there's a dream, there's a meadow, they're running across to each other. He takes her in his arms, looks her deep in the eyes and says, the sorceress is coming. You must be ready. And she's like, oh, shit, great. Perfect. Yeah. She finally has a first grade wet dream and it's got to end cryptically. Yeah, that's great. You know, typical for her life. Uh, <laughs> and, and it turns out. And, and some other things happen, some other story things happen that we can get into a little later in the show. Anything that could be potentially spoilery for any of these books, I will save until later in the show. So if you want to, if you're intrigued and want to check this out and go into it completely blind, other than what you can learn on blurbs and reviews and that kind of thing, uh, I'll let you know later. But for right now, just say that she finds out that the sorceress is an, a legendary magical figure who's a different woman every time, comes along once every couple of centuries, and it's not, it's not a guarantee whether or not the coming of the sorceress is going to be good or bad. It depends on the person who's chosen to wield the power. And Annabelle is told that the sorceress is coming. She's going to be arriving where they're at, and that only Annabelle has the keys to make the coming of the sorceress a blessing and not a curse for humanity. Just one problem. They won't tell her what it is. They won't tell her what her goddamn job is. Uh, Wow. They say that if we tell you, if we tell you, it could ruin things. So we're going to do a bunch of things with you. We're going to put you through a bunch of like training and introduce you to, you know, magic and and gods and goddesses and all and, and vampires and shapeshifters and all these weird creatures, so that you can be ready for the thing that we can't tell you what it is. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's wow. It, it's kind of like. It's kind of like my fun spin on the chosen one trope, you know, where somebody's like, oh, it's you, and here's everything that you need to do, and here's the whole book. And, you know, it's like an outline early on. It's like, no, 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 you're very important, but we can't tell you what it is, so good luck. Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of irony in this stuff. So, and that sets it up. That sets up this journey. 
um, Sorceress's book one that has Annabelle on the cover. The Witch, if you take a look, uh, The Witch book two has the character of Raina on the cover. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. book three is going to have a character named Angelique, who is Vincent's sister. Uh, and she's going to be on the cover of this one, uh, of the one that's coming up. So once, once you start reading the books, you will start to get a sense of who these people are and how important they are. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so how long have you had this? Tell me how long you've had this series in your brain because, you know, one doesn't just wake up one morning and have <laughs> not just a book, but an entire series with series offshoots potentially. I mean, how did you come to do yes. all of this? Well, yeah, I mean, really, in many ways, uh, the Sorcerer's Son is what is known in the industry as a tentpole uh, franchise, where basically that's what you're setting up to do a lot of things under. And the, the urban fantasy universe that I built for this saga uh, is going to be spun off into other series for other characters. And the funny thing is, though, is that this whole thing started uh, because I was pissed off at my reading choices. Uh, I've always been a big fan. I grew up reading a lot of supernatural fiction, uh, horror, fantasy, science fiction, all kinds of stuff like that. Really big, big, you know, like I said, I was a big fan of Hitchhiker's Guide, which is sci-fi comedy. I read a lot of Dean Koontz and Stephen King growing up. Of course, Anne Rice. Uh, I remember when Vampire Lestat came out, I was in high school, and every bookworm I knew was carrying a copy of that goddamn paperback with them around the high school. Uh, I was with that. Um, but then, you know, as I got older, I, I went through a period where I've also been a big fan of romance. I've always been a romance junkie. And I read a lot of romance novels for about a decade, kind of got out of supernatural fiction for a little while. Um, and it's kind of funny. I got, I kind of went into the whole romance thing and out of the whole supernatural thing just a few years before the whole Twilight thing hit, and all of a sudden, supernatural fiction was like the hottest thing in the world again. But I was reading a lot of romance, yeah. and people would say, wow, you like romance, you like supernatural stuff, you must love supernatural romance. And at the time, a few years ago, I really didn't. I had really not found a lot of good supernatural romance. I mean, since then, I found some great stuff, some great supernatural romance by people like Jaya Hawkins and uh, Ellen Dugan, uh, who a former Llewellyn author, has a great series of supernatural romances, really well-written stuff. But at the time, I hadn't found that stuff yet. And I found a lot of really boring, generic, I mean, just really crap i mean there's there's a there's there's an incredible variety of stuff out there and i found just really tired and boring stuff that i had never read the genre and it was still tired and boring and uh i just Uh thought to myself my god it can't be this hard you know you can write supernatural you can write romance it can't be that hard to write a paranormal romance yeah talented talented we're getting fuzzy i don't know anything Uh around because i'm still um so you kind of need to be in one spot dude i i I am sitting in a spot you know what i'm not sure how good this spot is for this particular phone so i will move to another seat um thank you (laughs) so basically yeah uh, i was just thinking that you know it can't be that hard uh to do paranormal romance yeah um are you, are you able to hear Dude, me better so, now? 
You're still fuzzing up on me. You know what? Hold on. Let me check something here. Um, okay. We may have a court hold issue. Hold on. Let me check something here. Um, ah. Okay. My damn phone defaulted to Wi-Fi calling. Let me hang up and call back in like 20 seconds, and I will turn off Wi-Fi calling. Excellent. That's where the fuzz is coming from. Okay. Absolutely. I'll be right Absolutely. All right. So Talzin is going to call back in because there's a, a, a setup issue on the phone, but he will be back momentarily. So I'm very excited about this series. A long time ago, Talzin had announced that you could actually, uh, if you were willing to invest, you could have a character named after you. And so I thought, sure, why not? He's my friend. I'd certainly be happy to do that for him. So, you know, I... That's how I got a character named after me. That's the only reason. <laughs> and there he is. Hey. Hello. Can you hear me better now? It's still a little choppy, but it's better than the I heard. Yeah, that was probably the Wi-Fi calling uh, happening. Uh, still, that's, that's odd. Let me move into a completely different room in the house. And uh, All right. I was here before. Hopefully uh, that will how, fix it. Yeah, I don't know. I, Technology is not my friend lately. I don't know what the problem <laughs> is. Uh, am I sounding better yeah, now? I, yes. Yes. Okay. Good, good. Okay, then I'll stay right here. Uh, basically, what I was talking about before, I had found a lot of paranormal romance that I had read at the time. I read better stuff since, but a few years ago I hadn't really read anything that good yet, and I thought, it can't be that hard, folks. Come on. Now, I've got this little, you know, I, I want to say voice in my brain, but that sounds a little too weird, uh, but it's this part of me that tries to keep myself honest. It's my internal BS detector. And when I start uh-huh. saying, oh, my God, why is this so lame? It can't be that hard to write a good paranormal romance. Uh, that little part of my mind sparks up and says, okay, if you think it's so easy, why don't you do it? So I figured, okay, mm-hmm. I'll give it a shot. And The Sorceress started off life as a paranormal romance. Uh, the first book really kind of still starts off that way, and there is a lot of romance in these books. Uh, there is definitely an aspect of uh, The Sorceress. Uh, it's a very earthy romance, uh, but it's got a lot more stuff. It's not just so much of a, a romance focus stuff, it's an aspect in the story, but it really started out that way. Uh, what really, yeah, and that's why I started coming up with some basic characters like Annabelle and Vincent, uh, both characters of which my wife, Willow, named both of them. Uh, if I have a hard time coming oh. up with character, if I have a hard time coming up with character names, I just ask Willow, I say, hey, I've got a character that's like this, what do you think their name should be? And nine times out of ten, the first name she comes out with is just brilliant so uh but yeah i uh <laughs> but you know i started working on the story and then uh, i made a decision part way through there's a character uh that i've been working on developing for over a decade the character's name is trevor hawkins uh i may have spoken about some of this stuff to you in the past but trevor hawkins mm-hmm. is an occult he's an occult detective he's kind of like one part uh, he looks like a cross between a pro wrestler and a rock star, uh, but he's like one part Alistair <laughs> Crowley, one part Indiana Jones, and all, uh, you know, hapless. Uh, you know, he, he tries to do well, but half the time 
the people he tries to help wind up dying horribly, but he still kills the bad guy. Uh, but I've been developing this Trevor Hawkins universe along with his sister Evelyn, who I uh, came up with later. I've been working on this universe for almost a decade. And when I decided to bring wow. Trevor and Evelyn into the Sorceress Saga, that's when the whole story expanded, the universe expanded. Um, a lot of the stuff that I've been doing in this series is stuff that you know kind of bugs me about pop culture. It kind of bugs me about the stories I read. Like I see something in a vampire book or movie that I'm just kind of like, that annoys me. So I, I make the vampires in my world not do that and that kind of thing. And it's kind of grown. There's a certain amount of this grown organically. Some of it I've come up with over the last couple of years. Uh, it all depends. It's it's like this one big mishmash. But uh, the story uh, definitely has been expanding. Um, there is, I have a feeling, the first book started off at around uh, 300 pages. The second book is 400. I have a feeling the book's five or six, maybe around the six or 700 page mark, but then I'll draw it in to the end there. I call that the Harry Potter effect, where the middle books get just stupidly long because your story gets really complicated. But uh, there's a lot of elements I think people are going to enjoy, including genuine occultism. <laughs> Yay. Real stuff. We like real stuff. Real stuff. Well, there's a history yeah. of, of occult fiction. I mean, when you think about it, once upon a time, a lot of people used to write novels to get certain occult or mystical ideas across. People like Dion Fortune wrote uh, books like The Sea Priestess. Aleister Crowley wrote yeah. his novels. And, of course, the very first book in the 20th century on modern Wicca witchcraft written by an actual witch was not a how-to book. It was not a self-help book. It was a novel called High Magic Save by Gerald Gardner, writing under the pen name of Skyer. So there's definitely a, a history of putting real occultism into fiction. And, you know, I'm pagan, I'm Wiccan, I'm Druid. I've been doing this stuff uh, for over 30 years. And so, of course, I'm going to put realistic pagan characters in my books. But then I also put some realistic pagan rituals because why not? Why not have some realism in there amongst all the fantasy? So book one Absolutely. focuses yeah, in book one, the sorceress, you're going to find ADF style rituals because of some of the things they need to do. Like uh, some of the folks helping Annabelle decide that she needs to contact her ancestors. Now, Raina is Wiccan and an experienced Wiccan, but a lot of Wiccan traditions don't really work with ancestors a whole lot, whereas ADF Druidry does. So they do an ADF-style ritual to help her get in contact with her ancestors, that kind of thing. Um, and in book two, it's more of a Wiccan emphasis, uh, where there's mm -hmm. a general style of eclectic Wicca done that I kind of cooked up with my own quarter calls and all that fun stuff. Um, and book three is bringing in more things like tarot and astrology and a little bit more ceremonial magic. And you're going to find this stuff all through the series, too. So if you ever wanted to read something where you look and say, hey, that looks familiar in the ritual, this is a good series to do it. Because I've got, uh, hell, in, in book two, I even take my characters to the Starwood Festival. So there's a lot of realism in that. Wow, that's great. I love it because, you know, Hollywood has really uh, had such a, a slant on what we do. And, you know, I think they've just perpetuated a whole bunch of mythology that's not even true. And 
So it's nice to have modern, you know, genuine pagan ritual in something. I, I, I love that. It, it's it's fun, and it's like I just I was just writing a, uh, I was just writing a, I was just uh, editing a scene the other day, uh, where I have one character. Uh, who happens to be a 5,000-year-old Japanese cursed witch. I'll get into the cursed witches in a moment. Uh, but she's a 5,000-year-old okay. Japanese witch who has a tendency to forget to wear clothes. But anyway, uh, she's relating a story about this nice old gentleman she met in Malaysia uh, back in the early 20th century who talked her ear off about religious magic. I think his last name was Gardner, that kind of thing, you know, throwing these things in when you've got these uh-huh. really old. Really old character, and of course, in the in the Trevor Hawkins universe, you've got the uh, the ghost of his uncle, uh, who was a contemporary of people who worked with Aleister Crowley. So of course, he has some wonderfully uh, raunchy things to say about old Uncle Aleister. Uh, but you know, <laughs> throw some stuff in there. I mean, really, and there's like I said, there's a lot of humor in here. Uh, one of one of the one of my friends online recently said that uh, my stuff reads. Like if Kevin Smith was writing and directing for the show Supernatural, uh, that's 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 the kind of stuff wow. that I write. Uh, or like you know Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, you know uh, meets uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy meets Interview with the Vampire, that kind of stuff. Just mixing in the drama and the comedy and uh, and the action. Uh, I mean it's fun. I mean you want weird shapeshifters. We got them. One of the more popular shapeshifters in my series so far are the were roaches, which are uh, cockroaches, people who turn into six foot giant cockroaches when they shapeshift, um, which, which wow. is a nightmare creature. Yeah, uh, or the uh, or the uh, the tarantulas that are the size of a minivan that attack that attack them all at one point. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, that's something wow. I forgot to mention that uh, Annabelle is uh, somebody's trying to stop her from doing what she needs to do and so they attack her with nightmare monsters and she doesn't know who it is and she doesn't know why they're trying to stop her so it's uh, it, it, it's more it's more uh, more fun and frustration but I, I try to keep it fun and even though this is a saga where there's an overall story arc every book is going to have its own conclusion even though there are unanswered questions at the end of each book uh, each one is going to have its own satisfying ending. So it's not like, you know, it, it's not like Lord of the Rings, which was literally cut into thirds by the publisher, uh, where it just kind of like just leaves off and then picks up. Uh, the, all of these are going to have their own individual satisfying endings, so you don't have to worry. I mean, yeah, there are going to be things you wor- you're wondering about till the next book, uh, but it's not like you're going to be completely left dangling at the end of each one. Well, that's good. <laughs> I have to ask. I have to ask you a question. Do you get? Yes. Has anybody ever given you a lot of shit for being a guy who's into romance? I mean, because you're uh, pretty straight. I know. It's uh, it's funny. One of my friends calls me the gayest straight man he's ever met, just because. You know, I love romance novels. I love musicals. I was raving to my friends about cats. Um, the the most recent thing I've been diving into pop culturally, and this is a little weird uh, when people think about it, but uh, last year for my birthday, one of my online friends thought it would be a hilarious joke to send me a complete set of all of the Twilight books in hardback and all of the movies in digital format. 
um, because they had been given as a gag gift to him. Um, but the uh-huh. joke's on my friend because I actually kind of like that dumpster fire of a franchise. It's just so much trashy fun. And I can just totally, you know, go in. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been showing these movies to my mom, and I'm sitting there comment, commenting on this, saying, oh, no, Jacob, don't you even think of doing that. So it's an odd thing for an incredibly large, hairy, straight man like myself to be in, in, involved with. I know that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, it's funny because... I haven't gotten that much direct shit. I know people are probably going to wonder because it's like my main character is, most of my good main characters are female. I like writing female main characters. I haven't really been that good at writing guys because I don't have a lot. I've never really understood guys. I know it's weird. I'm a het straight guy, but I don't understand straight guys. Um, you know, I know my brain process is a little different than other people's. I've kind of become aware yeah. of my own neurodivergence over the years. But I have had so many girl and woman friends who they, they have this thought process of why is my boyfriend, brother, dad, whoever being such an asshole? I'll go ask Callison. He's a guy. He'll understand. And I get to look at them and say, I have no idea why they're acting like this. Maybe they just hit the douche switch. I have no idea because... I wouldn't treat someone like this, so I don't understand it. And, you know, and so I have, you know, most of my guys tend to be the snarky sidekick variety. I mean, Trevor's a little different because Trevor is, uh, he, he's, he's very British. He's kind of like if you took a hapless computer geek and stuck him in the body of a bodybuilder. So he's got, he's got both aspects going on that. But I do a lot of uh, female characters. I like strong female characters. Um, my first novel I wrote was actually a same-sex uh, lesbian romance that took place in a fictional Gardnerian coven. Uh, that book is called Imperfect Love. Not my best writing. Yeah. I learned a lot about writing in between that book and my next book, um, but it's still available on uh, on Amazon if anybody wants to go take a look at it. Um, but, yeah, I haven't got a lot of shit. I, have, I know people have wondered, and I know I've, I've had uh, – I've had some what you call sensitivity readers. I've, I've, I've developed some scripts, and I sent them to them, and these very gay women were saying that I was writing some of their favorite gay woman characters, so I guess I can keep doing it. But, uh, you know, I've got – and I, I will say for people who know me, they know I like a lot of really queer uh, entertainment, uh, and it's a lot of fun. But this book actually has uh, heterosexual monogamous people in it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I've noticed though, it's, it's kind of that counterintuitive thing because, you know, if you take a look at most of the gay male romance books, they're all written by women, which I find very, very funny. Not too many gay male romance books are written by gay men. A lot of them are written by heterosexual women. So, you know, it all depends on how you resonate with the story. Uh, I think is is how that works out. Uh, although I, I will say my characters do tend to have a heavy dose of snark. That's why I say I'm not going to write any erotica because I don't know sarcastic erotica is a very limited niche. So. <laughs> yeah, you may be shortening your audience with that. I don't know. I mean, but I don't know. You know, that's the whole interesting thing about writing real life. You know, it's like there are a lot of very sexy, snarky people. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a writer. And I'm the first to say I am clueless about – this is why I admire writers so much, because I couldn't do it. 
I don't pretend to understand it. I don't pretend to know the process, which is why I have so many authors on because it's to me it's just such a brilliant thing, you know, to be able to create a universe and and expand on characters and you know you have to think logically uh, about what these people would do or how they would react in situations. Um, it's a lot to keep yeah. up with. I can barely keep up with me, much less, <laughs> you know, write something else. Yeah, I, it, my own life is hard enough. It's like, nah, I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, I tend to do stuff that's really dialogue heavy because it's kind of kind of the way I write. I kind of when I'm, I, I will conceive of a scene and see it in my head like I'm watching it on a movie screen, and then I just write down whatever I'm seeing and hearing. Uh, that's pretty much the method that I do for a lot of things, which is why my stuff comes out very cinematic. But, you know, figuring out how to integrate real life with a fantasy universe is really the fun of it for me. I mean, I have a lot of fun with that. And I'm kind of amused that so many authors that I see out there uh, really, really exploring this. They're kind of doing what everybody else has done before. And it's like, let me tell you, if I see one more paranormal romance that's on a shape-shifting dragon lord, I think, you know, I think it'll be time to, you know, unplug for a while and go watch uh, an Anne Rice movie because, man, they're everywhere right now. But I like mm-hmm. exploring the different stuff. Like, thinking about, like, in this universe, reincarnation is much more of a verifiable thing. It's not just these, you know, fuzzy past life memories or that kind of stuff. It's a little bit more verifiable in this universe, and I'm wondering, how would reincarnation affect someone, say, who falls in love with a centuries-old vampire? Has that vampire met this person in a previous life before, maybe? Uh, maybe they remember them uh, from that past life. They remember their soul or their spirit. Um, or what about things like uh, sexuality spectrums? How is that going to be uh, affected? Uh, you know, my main character, uh, Annabelle, is really written in many ways to be demisexual. And for folks who aren't familiar, demisexual is on the A spectrum, and it's people who don't automatically feel sexual attraction for somebody. They only develop sexual attraction for somebody after they've fallen for them in another way. So once they get to know them Mm -hmm. and love them as a person, then they can become attracted to them, uh, but it's not an automatic thing. And But Annabelle is having a thing where she is encountering people who she's known multiple times in multiple past lives and has had very loving and passionate relationships with uh, in these past lives. And her part of her spirit sees these people and sees that part of them that she knew before and remembers and remembers them and remembers loving them. So when she starts feeling horny, when she sees Vincent, she's never felt this way before from seeing someone for the first time and she's completely baffled but again I'm exploring like how would these things affect somebody if again you know you know if you know reincarnation was much more immediate and visceral than we experience it in this world and that kind of thing so I think you know there's a lot of opportunities I think to have a lot of fun and to explore a lot of avenues with it wow I just I, I I'm I'm in awe of your ability. <laughs> I mean, when I met you, it was it, it was more of you as a filmmaker. If you know, for the folks uh, who don't know uh, some of the yeah. history, uh, that was my view of you. That this is my friend, the filmmaker. I mean, that's that's what I know. 
And that was right. all I knew. I had no idea that you had, you know, all of this other stuff going on inside you, which is also <laughs> brilliant and amazing. No, I mean, seriously, it, it, it astounds me how, um, you know, this is my friend who does all this cool shit and, and makes movies <laughs> and writes books. And you've really, I mean, do you have any future vision of this going cinematic? Uh, certainly. The, the stuff I write would very, very well fit. In fact, I've had several people who've read some of my old Trevor Hawkins short stories that I worked on about a decade ago who think it would make like a killer uh, cable series, like a Netflix series or a BBC mm-hmm. America series or something like that. And I'm certainly open. I mean, I can get, if I can get the kind of notice that's going to bring it to the attention uh, to these places, I, I make jokes with Will, with my wife all the time saying, you know, oh, well, we're going to put an above-ground pool in our new house. We'll get the in-ground pool after the Netflix deal. That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I'll say, you know, I've just recently started reading things like the, uh, the Suki Stackhouse series, uh, which was later turned yeah. into the TV show True Blood. Uh, I've started, yeah. you know, uh, over the past few years, I've gotten into some vampire pop culture I miss, like Vampire Diaries, which is another book series that got turned into a successful uh, TV show. Uh, and again, yeah. you know, we have we have stuff like Twilight, which was a which was you know Twilight was a book written by a uh, a suburban housewife, a mother of three, who had a dream one night about about laying next to a sparkly vampire in a in a field of flowers and turned that into a book series that sold almost 200 million copies worldwide. I mean, you know, you never know where these things are going to go from, you know, seemingly very humble beginnings. Now, there's a lot of people out there uh, doing, I'm, I'm publishing these books myself. I'm doing them through uh, Amazon Direct Publishing. Uh, so if anybody out there is a member of Kindle Unlimited, all of my books are on Kindle Unlimited. Go ahead and you can read them for free there. It's included with your Kindle Unlimited membership. Um, and, of course, they're also, you know, available on Amazon to buy. But there's a lot of independent authors out there, and there's a lot of people trying to be heard. So if anybody out there reads these books, or any independent author's books, not just mine, but if you read a book by an author and you really like the book, leave them a review, even if it's only a couple yeah. of sentences, because every single review helps this author get seen and heard by more people. The more reviews you have on Amazon, the higher you're going to come up on their search engine results, the more often you're going to be recommended. Uh, as, you know, those little things when you look at one book, they'll say, people who bought this book also bought that book. You'll come up in that more often. Uh, it's really the best thing you can do uh, is, uh, is leave a review. Uh, reviews are more valuable than buying the book. If you borrow the book off a friend and leave a review, that's actually more valuable to an author than the person who plunked down the two or three bucks to actually buy the ebook. Uh, because, you know, I've sold like a few hundred copies of The Witch, but I've only gotten one review so far. You know, because most people don't leave reviews. Wow. So if you really like, if you really like an author, leave a review, no matter how short it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that's 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 really? just trying to be heard here. That's why I'm start. I'm kicking off the promo for book three, The Queen, here on this show over the next couple of months. I'm going to be doing a lot of promos. I'm going to be doing a lot of teasers. I'm going to be doing some giveaways. Um, right now, you can start off the Sorceress Saga uh, with the Sorceress on Kindle. It's just 99 cents to start out this first book. Uh, 
And that's its regular price wow. to get you started on the saga. And all of my other books in this series on ebook are not going to be priced any higher than two ninety nine, uh, because I want to keep this affordable for people. If you're going to give take a shot on a new author, I'm going to make it so it's not that painful for your uh, for your bank account. Which is that's really a, amazing. That's that's very it, cool. It's also available on you know paperback and soon. Once I get done putting out the queen, I've got a lot of work to do. I'm going to be talking with my cover artist this next week. But once I get the queen out, I'm going to be putting all three books out in hardback format because Amazon supports that now. So, cool. uh, and now, now I think, you know, taking a look at the time, I'm thinking I'd like to talk about some issues and stuff, though, that could wind up giving a few little spoilery bits, especially for the first book. Uh, these books all build on okay. each other. So, but if you want to talk about book three at all, you kind of got to talk about things that happened in book one. I kind of arranged it to be a surprise in book one, but I'm under no illusions. Let's face it. Most people don't start reading a series these days until you get to book three, uh, until three books are out, because too many of us have been burned by abandoned series that are never finished. So most people don't take a chance True. on reading until book three. And by book three, when you read the blurb on that, you're going to find out stuff about book one anyway. But if you want to read book one, The Sorceress, with going completely blind, other than what I've already said, uh, you can go ahead and stop listening to the show now. We're recording it. You can listen to the replay later. Uh, but from here on out, I'm going to mention a couple things. They're minor. They're just not going to spoil any book completely. You're still going to have plenty of surprises. But some of the stuff that people find out about the characters uh, is going to wind up coming into play. So here's your warning right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, God, you... Give him another second. Yeah. Give him another second. Just let give him another second to to decide <laughs> if they want to stay on or if they right. want to wait until after they've done some reading. Um, but now let's go ahead and get to it. Right. Well, I mean, one of the things that's fun is that uh, I've got Vincent, who is a 420-year-old vampire, uh, and no, that number was not an accident. There's a ridiculous amount of weed smoking in this book, but I'll get to it in a few. Uh, and his sister Angelique <laughs> is a 16 Angelique is a 1600-year-old vampire. She was turned uh, by a vampire from one of the uh, Germanic tribes that flooded into the uh, into Europe after the Roman Empire fell. So Angelique remembers genuine pre-Christian pagan religions, uh, which is fun to see her interact with some of the modern pagans in the book. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Somebody asked her, how close are we? She goes, you're adorable. Keep trying. And anyway, (laughs) um, (laughs) but but, uh, it's fun stuff because it's like, you know, it brings in all kinds of stuff because – and, you know, Angelique and Vincent and Annabelle have a reincarnation uh, history that actually goes back before any of the vampires were vampires. It goes back somewhere between ten and 20,000 years. Uh, there's a lot of lost civilization uh, stuff in these books, kind of wondering about the civilizations that we've never heard of and never will because they completely disappeared from the earth. And I love to bring that mm-hmm. stuff into it, too. But their story really goes back, and it's a lot of fun because, you know, Annabelle gets to experience past life visions where she was a man and Vincent was a woman, or where she was a woman and Vincent was her son uh, or wow. daughter, or that they go through all, it's the idea that soulmates are not just romantic. 
soulmates can play mm-hmm. any role in your life that they play in your life. And, uh, you know, and of course, you know, going into that too, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And one of the things that I really want, you know, people to look at here in these books is the fact that there is an attempt to try to rectify some of the things that people are annoyed about uh, in, in uh, a lot of modern, especially paranormal romance novels. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, I really tried to keep these relationships uh, from being douchey and abusive, and you wouldn't believe how hard that is for some people these days. Uh, but, uh, and I don't blame Twilight, I blame Fifty Shades. That piece of shit, because uh, not only did yeah. they insult the, the B&D and S&M communities, but they completely twisted people's idea on what romance novels are supposed to be like. Um, but uh, it's like, sorry, but abuse is not romance. Um, but there's a lot of themes that we go into here. And, uh, you know, if you go into any forum on urban fantasy, uh, it's kind of funny because people would think that I read these forums and I change my story to fit what people like or don't like. It's weird. I come up with this stuff on my own and I read other people's pet peeves and I find out, wow, I'm avoiding a lot of the cliches. It's kind of fun. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, there, there's a lot of stuff going on in here. Like, uh, your your character, Raina, your namesake character, Raina, uh, is so fun. She is going to be spun off into her own series of novels when this is done called the Raina Star Mysteries. Because in this world, there's a character named Star, and he is a changeling who changes between a human and a house cat. He's not a were-creature. He turns into a complete and total house cat, uh, which is very difficult for him because uh, he's a rather flamboyant flamboyant young gay man and he says honey you know you know cats have barbs on their penis well mine don't always go away do you know how hard it is to get laid like that but anyway uh but no see that (laughs) he's going to be her buddy and they're going to go off and have these adventures and uh and all kinds of fun stuff like that and 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 you should know that your namesake is getting to be in book three really really good at fey magic uh, she dates a fae chick in book one and learns a lot about working fae magic. So uh, her and Annabelle are going to really kick some ass in book three. That's amazing. That's also very oh. exciting. Uh, that's really cool. Oh, yeah. Of course, Raina's love life is a complete and utter mess, but that's just, you know, that, 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 that's uh, that's. That, that's just kind of part of the ongoing story. Um, <laughs> and if you were going to have a basis of anything in reality, yeah, that would probably have been it. So well done. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, and that's a, one thing I had to warn people, too, is that I know the, 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 the cover of the first book and my own description I had on there kind of made people think it was a YA book because there's a lot of YA urban fantasy out there. This is so not a YA book. You know how Desperate House Witches is not a GPGR or even MC. You know, it's totally MC-17. These books have cursing. There's a lot of talk about sex in the first book. Um, There's more. I mean, I I don't do a lot of graphic sex scenes, but there's definitely a lot of people boinking uh, in books two and three, uh, mainly because some of the things having to do with my characters, like, in this in, in this urban fantasy universe, uh, vampires, 
uh, whatever part of our physiology that dictates who we like to canoodle with in this life doesn't survive the transition uh-huh. into being a vampire. So all my vampires are pansexual, and they're also not exclusive. They tend to be in very open relationships because when you've got eternity ahead of you, so what if you don't see your lover for 100 or 200 years? You know you're going to see him again and then screw for another 20 years after that. So, you know, they're a lot more laid back about things, but that leads to uh, some rather interesting time when they start mixing with the suburban people who aren't quite always used to that. Uh, (laughs) um, Oh, wow. Do you hate love triangles? So do I. So I avoid love triangles. Of course, it means that my characters wind up in this uh, sprawling polyamorous romance that uh, gets very confusing for some of the characters, but they're making their way. Um, As a matter of fact, by the end of the series, the sorceress herself is going to have 13 different lovers in her circle of lovers. So uh, there's there's a lot of uh, interesting things going along that end. Uh, And... Wow. Another thing, another thing I should warn people about: if you are kind of suburban and you can handle people drinking, but not a lot of casual uh, weed use, again, fair warning. Uh, my characters don't really drink. The only character of mine that really drinks uh, is the British guy Trevor, um, and that's because his main place he hangs out is a bar. Uh, but uh, the rest of my characters aren't really drinkers. I haven't really been a drinker myself since I switched to medical cannabis for my pain relief. So my characters smoke a lot of weed. Uh, As a matter of fact, vampires can't get any effect off cannabis, but in my universe, if vampires smoke the leaves of deadly nightshade plants, they get a cannabis-like effect. Mm -hmm. So for them, Roma tomatoes are kind bud. So there's there's, there's a lot of stoner humor in this as well. Like I said, if Kevin Smith wrote for Supernatural, this is what you get. So... And I love Kevin Smith, so I think that's brilliant, too. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, anybody who's ever seen – I have some shout-outs in every book to different pop culture things. There's a couple of Kevin Smith shout-outs in there. Uh, There's, you know, some different things that, you know, uh, anybody who's ever seen any of Kevin Smith's uh, Q&A videos, uh, if you if you know the story about the Thagnerian snare beast, I actually referenced the Thagnerian snare beast in this book. Uh, there's a lot of pop culture references in here, um, so you know it's uh, you know it, 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 it because let's face it, you know I've, I've got a lot of uh, I got a lot of characters in here. So uh, like my main character Annabelle, when she moves into the mansion with uh, Vincent and Angelique, the one decoration she brings into this room that's filled with antiques and all this really old stuff because these ancient vampires have been collecting stuff for, you know, over a millennia. And she's amongst all these, like, you know, historic antique objects. She still has to put her TARDIS poster up on her closet door. And then it feels like home. <laughs> so, uh, or, uh, or even, uh, or if you read, uh, when you read The Witch, when you get to the section about Starwood, I described the uh-huh. entire the entire bonfire lighting ceremony in detail. Yep. And, in fact, you'll look and you'll be like, oh, my God, I know who he's talking about when I'm mentioning the different torchbearers and the people from Ace who are, like, lighting the fire. I make a few references. And if you know the festival at all, you're going to say, oh, my God, I know these people. I do try to, you know, I'm blending fantasy and reality very, very tightly. So, uh, but nice. a lot of, you know, the 
these characters who are already Pan and Polly go to Star Wars, you can just imagine what happens there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, having been, I already know. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, and, and, there's, and there are things. And there are things, too, that, you know, I've been thinking about lately, too, and it's, it's weird because it's like, I mean, you know, people have talked about um, putting things like uh, consent stuff into our stories. Let's normalize consent culture a little bit more by putting it into our fiction. And one thing that has bugged a lot of people is the fact that a lot of people write vampires like they've got these biological advantages, like they just are naturally magnetic to humans, so better to lure their prey. Uh, and then people with this kind of vampire mythology will have a human fall in love with a vampire without ever explaining, are they really falling for them or are they being manipulated by the vampire's natural pheromones or whatever? Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they leave these issues kind of fuzzy. Now, um, in the first book, Vincent, it's funny because I, instead of the teenage boy who's horny and hot to trot going after, you know, the teenage girl who's unsure – the teenage girl is actually, you know, uh, Annabelle, she's actually quite ready uh, because she's never felt this attracted to someone before, and she'd really like to experiment with it, but Vincent won't do it, and he won't explain until later, but he wants to, until she gets some form of supernatural protection over her because he wants to make sure that she's really remembering and loving him for who he is and not because of the natural attraction that vampires have over humans. So I even bring consent right into the first book. And I, I didn't even do it consciously. It's kind of like one of these subconscious things. But there's a lot of stuff going on here that I really, you know, it, it, again, it's interesting waters to navigate as an author, and I just find everything fascinating. So, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of humor, and, uh, but there's also some serious stuff mixed in there, too. I find it's easier to get ideas across with a joke. So... <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, and I, I also wanted to mention the way you write and the things that you bring into your your writing say a lot about who you are. And the fact that you would just put certain things in and raising consent culture is something you would do as you anyway. So if folks are listening and they want to support somebody who – does believe in everyone's rights and does believe in consent culture and does believe that, um, you know, we have a right to be here in whatever form that takes, um, you know, that's the kind of person you are. And I think it says a lot about, you know, you again, you as a person, and I just want folks to know that they're supporting somebody who has those values that we hold really dear. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I think also, if you want to know who you're, you know, you have to know who you're yeah. supporting too. And I think it's super important. You know, Anne Rice had that period of time where she had leaned very Christian until she realized what that meant for certain people, and right. then it, you know, she rejected it. And I think um, a lot of her fan base grew when people realize that she's actually in support of loving whoever it is you love and that being an important thing. So, you know, again, it's important to know who you're supporting. It's not just about the book. It is about the writer as well. I apologize for interrupting. Go ahead. Oh, that's fine. No, no, please say nice things about me all you want. 
<laughs> and I do. And I do. Well, I just want to say that there's, there's lots of ways you can support an author. I've got these books out. You can go get uh, The Witch, uh, The Sorceress and the Witch right now on Amazon. I also have a website, com, where you can find links to find my books. Uh, the link for Dark of Moon, my movie, isn't working right now because Amazon stopped selling physical media. I'm currently shopping around for a new distributor, for a new manufacturer for Dark of Moon. Although if anybody wants to see a romantic comedy set in the uh, neo-pagan world, I've got, a few, I've got about five or six copies sitting right in front of me. Uh, go ahead and contact me. Uh, send me a private message on my Facebook or my Twitter. My Twitter is Talison underscore G. Uh, and you can claim one of those DVDs that's left. Um, but uh, the uh, you know, but also I have a Patreon, and that's also uh, something uh, I, you can get a link to. Uh, and on Patreon, you can support me from anywhere from a dollar a month to uh, fifty dollars a month, and you get different perks along with that. Um, and that's the kind of thing that really helps an artist because that kind of gives you an idea of what's going to be coming in that month, what you're getting. And like I said, if you like my writing, it's not a bad deal because even if you only do a dollar a month, you still get access to the yearly holiday short story. It's something I put out every year in November. It is a short story that is published nowhere else except for my patrons, and they get exclusive access to it for a year. And then the next year, I put out the next story, and then I can do something with the previous year's story. Now, in 2020, I mean, in 2021, the holiday story was called The Ghost of Solstice Eve, which is actually the first standalone Trevor and Evelyn Hawkins story. Uh, after I put up The Queen, I'm going to be working on a trio of Trevor and Evelyn novellas that would be coming out later in the year. Uh, but if you want to read the first Trevor and Evelyn Hawkins short story, The Ghost of Solstice Eve, uh, where they have uh, just one night to solve the mystery of the slacker specter before... Uh, before the ghost is imprisoned on Earth forever. Um, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you can get access to it right now for a dollar, which is, you know, that's cheaper than a bag of hot Cheetos, you know, when it comes right down to it. Um, and, then, of course, there are other levels. Where If you want to support it at a higher level, uh, if you support it for $3 a month, every time I put out an ebook, I'm going to send you a copy for free. Um, you know, and if you go up to the higher levels, you can do things like, uh, private video calls with me where I can do workshops on any subject you want. I can talk about writing. I can teach you how to do tarot. I can go over ritual design with you. Any of the 200 workshops that I've developed for uh, pagan festivals over the last 20 years, it's your call. Yeah. So uh, my, you know, I'm on uh, Talison Govannon is writing books. That's where you'll find me on Patreon. Uh, but also, again, if you're on Kindle Unlimited, go ahead and read my books on Kindle Unlimited because uh, Kindle Unlimited is a great deal for writers. That uh, Writers get paid for every page you read, even if you don't finish the book. And right now I actually make more money off of somebody reading The Sorceress on Kindle Unlimited than I do off of them buying a copy because I discounted the first book down to a dollar. So uh, there's a lot of ways wow. to support an author. But again, leave yeah. that review. Read that story. Leave that review. Uh, I, you can ask people in the past who have left me reviews. I had one person leave me a very nice review, and without even telling her, I sent her a sorceress coffee mug with the cover on there. And let me tell you, everybody loves the covers to these books. So, you know, T-shirts, yeah. uh, tote bags, coffee mugs. You never know what you could get if you leave me a really good review. 
And it's, I'm not paying. I'm yeah. just thanking people. So you never know. I've got, you know, and I'm going to be doing some giveaways over the next couple of months, getting ready for the queen. And let me tell you, if anybody's been out there reading these books, uh, the big mystery in the first two novels is who is trying to kill Annabelle with Nightmare Monster. Well, in book three, we find out. And that's where the story really gets going. Cool. So I assume at some point we will be doing the cover uh, that I can have up on the page. That would be lovely. Yes. I will send the cover. As soon as I do the cover reveal, I will go ahead and uh, tag you in it so that that way you can go ahead and repost it on on your social media. Like I said, I'm going to be contacting my artist. I work with a design firm in Serbia called Berserka Design. Uh, and I uh, and they've done the sorceress and the witch, and they're going to be doing the queen. Uh, and each cover of the book, by the way, each cover of the book is based off a tarot card. So the cover of the sorceress is based off of the magician, and the witch is based mm-hmm. off of the high priestess. And the next book is going to be based on uh, the queen is going to be based on the empress. So uh, and uh, some, nice. some and you want to get into this series now because let me tell you it's really going to take off from here. In book four, we're going to have a fae race that has no set gender. Uh, they actually live in this uh, androgynous state most of the time. If they want to reproduce with some with another uh, of their of their uh, fae race, they basically decide who's going to be the fertilizer and who's going to be the carrier that time. Very very egalitarian uh, and. Uh, Oh, of course, in, in book two, I, I should tell people, you get introduced to the Twilight Fae. And I named these people way before I ever read the book Twilight, so it's not after that. Uh, it's uh, uh, the, the, Another Fae race is the Morning Tide Fae, so I like to do the whole time of day thing. But the Twilight Fae are fun because they are very free. They're incredibly poly, uh, and they have uh, brightly colored skin and dark black hair. So it'll be like blue, green, red. Uh, but when they go into their human glamour, it switches. So they wind up being incredibly attractive African-American people with really freaky, brightly colored neon hair. So, and uh, they fit right in at Star Wars. But anyway, uh, so now's a great time to get into this, man. Uh, you know, book one and two are out right now. Book three is coming out in May. Uh, book four will be out by the end of the year, uh, which will be called uh, The Sovereign. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's really, you know, once I get moved into my new house, which is going to be happening in a couple of months, I'm going to start cranking out writing. So, you know, get, get, get into things now because it's going to start flying at you pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Tal, oh, yeah. we are down to the last minute or so. Uh, yes. What are your parting words for this morning, my friend? Well, i got to say that if anybody out there wants to get introduced to these characters, go to talismg.com. I've got some free short stories up on the site. Right now you can read, again, for free. Uh, and go check out the Sorceress Saga. Uh, I think anybody who likes this kind of a show is going to find this series a good time. Awesome. And Talison will be back with me, of course, first Fridays of the month. And um, Yep. We, we will see you then. <laughs> I'm sorry. Party on, everybody. Tell us now. All right. All right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. I will be back on Friday with Storm Fairy Wolf. We're going to talk about his book, The Witch's Name. Very excited about it. Hope you guys have a wonderful week. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>